welcome to It's Eleven and It's Heaven for Jamie Barney, a Leicester City podcast. Thanks very much for that, Aidan. We'll get started. Thanks for the uh, introduction. Guys, how are you all? Steve, how's your week going so far? Very good. It's a bit wet up here, so I've been in and out of the garden, had a few days off, so uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Yeah, and uh, so I've been doing a bit of stuff in the garden. Long weekend, isn't it, after the football on a Friday night? Tom, you about recovered from that? Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been off for a few days, so yeah, it's been all, it's been all right. Um, result was okay. And uh, yeah, I've just got a few days at work now and then starting a new job next week, so. Cool. Full squad okay. tonight. Barry up in the north of Scotland, how's things for you? Yeah, all right, mate. Decent weekend. So yeah, all good. Covid yeah. hotspot where you are, isn't it? Is that right? Supposedly, yeah. Supposedly the high school got hit with it. So, um, yeah, they're kind of daily checks and whatnot, but I think it's all right. Yeah. And Aidan in Belfast, how's things over there? Hello. Um, no, all, all, all good, all good. Um, well, I say that. Bit of a disappointing football weekend with the, uh, Leicester City only taking a point and Crusaders um, losing 3-1 after going 1-0 up. Um, but no, apart from that, had a bit of a bit of a reaction, Mark, to my first COVID vaccine. Uh, um, so spent the day in bed on Wednesday, but I'm back they, fighting fit for the podcast now. They're doing over fifties over there already, are they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, just uh, just before we start start talking about the Leicester City side of things, the protests at Old Trafford yesterday. Let's have a quick chat about those between us for a few minutes. What's your thoughts on what went on there yesterday? Well, I think that they've got every right to protest, haven't they? I mean, they've got nearly half a billion of debt now under the Glazers um, and haven't really won that much, have they, since Ferguson backed up, to be honest, which was quite a while ago now, just a couple of cups or something. So, um, yeah, but uh, I mean, there's no excuse for the violence, though, is there? Or, or vandalism. No. So um, it's interesting. I, I don't know if it's... I, I'm not sure it's going to change anything. I mean, the Glazers hardly ever go anyway, do they? So, um, and who can afford to buy them out? And I think that's the the big challenge for Manchester United and the fans. Who can afford to buy them out that's going to do a better job than the Glazers? Because they're going to want a lot of money. That's they're where we're a lot of debt. That's where we go down the replacing a billionaire for a less dodgy billionaire, isn't it? Baz, did it ruin your Sunday yesterday? No football at four thirty. <laughs> not at all actually I was uh, I was out seeing the family so yeah I wasn't really fussed about it I, I, don't, I wasn't even fussed about that game it's not like the olden days where that was just a three, three all red card galore game anymore it would have been nil-nil 100% uh, yeah. I think the, fa- the fans they're muppets aren't they like they are yeah they do have a right to sort of protest but why would you break into your own club it's mm-hmm. just mental like what I don't understand it plums absolute plums so from what I've read, they, you know, it was coordinated beforehand to to go into the two separate locations, the Lowry Hotel in Manchester to stop the team um, bus leaving and also to, to meet outside the ground. And obviously they got into the ground with the sort of explicit intention to stop the game, Tom, which they managed to do yesterday. Um, so as far as that goes, it was job done, wasn't it? I suppose so. I think, as, as Steve said, there's, there's no... Um... <clears throat> There's, there's nothing that can justify any violence. Um, 
and yeah, it, it didn't ruin my Sunday, <laughs> to be honest. I think, as, as Barry said, that's the kind of game where you, you don't see them go at it like they used to. I think the only thing that we could say is we'd have a better idea of how the top of the table would be looking today. Yeah. And that's going to be a really tight game, something to reschedule now as well, because I think United play every weekday and weekend now up until the end of the season. So there's a chance that right. that goes past the, the end of the season or it gets really squeezed in. So it might not work in our favour. Mm. Well, <laughs> yeah, nothing positive to say on that then. Yeah, Aidan, I keep hearing that a lot of United fans are quite happy for them to have points deducted as well. Um to, to really teach the Glazers a lesson. That is, is a huge statement, isn't it? It is, but I think that's where it's got to. Um, and and I'm, I would disagree with Baz in terms of, of saying about maybe the course of action they've taken, because I think stopping a game from happening is is exactly what... It's certainly exactly the right, the right thing to do to get noticed, isn't it? That people, you know, millions of people around the world, sure, he's, he's right, it's not the game that it would have been... Um, a few years ago, and, and certainly this season, it's not a huge game. Um, neither team are, are doing much damage in terms of a title challenge, and, and that, that's gone now. But yeah, to stop a game from happening, I, I think, is is a pretty huge statement. And it's it's that kind of thing that maybe in the back of the Glazers' heads now is that, you know, this could potentially make the club un, un, unmanageable, un, you know, un, unworkable as owners, because at the end of the day, the need, you know, for all the protests that happen outside online, if you can't get your your eleven players playing a match, that's that's huge, and that's you know panic stations for, you know if it were to happen again, um for for the Premier League for, um what do you do with that problem if if fan if if matches aren't allowed to happen? So, um I think the statement that we're looking for they really did deliver. Um I'm not saying that was right or wrong, and I certainly disagree with the violence and, um. Yeah, the, the police officers who who were were very sadly injured. Um, that was wrong. But in terms of the strength of the statement, I think it's hard to, um, you know, it's hard to argue that it, it wasn't something that really grabbed attention and, and will really, if it were to happen again, will really shake things up and, and give the Glazers big questions to answer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we spoke there, Steve, about them not coming to many games that maybe not affecting them, but this could really hurt their, their pocket, couldn't it? Well, it could hurt their pocket, yeah, and especially if there is some kind of punishment that that um, stops them from competing in the Champions League or anything else, reduces their their winnings from the Premier League this year. That's going to have a big impact on them. Um, you know, they have got big debts, um, and of course, they're going to have to now sign up to this new agreement, which means there's no chance of the a European Super League happening. Yeah. And if they have got a binding contract, is there potential that they'll get hit financially from the European Super League as well yeah. for withdrawing? Who knows? Yeah, because they've, they've made a lot of money from Manchester United so far, so far the Glazers, the way they've financed their dividends. So this might be, it might be ultimate egg on their face there. Um, Steve, a final sort of point on that for me, I believe in the Premier League rules, um, the, the specific is that if the home team can't oblige the fixture, then it should be awarded a 3-0 win to the other side. That would be a disaster for us, wouldn't it? It would be a disaster. Um, <laughs> it, it would be a disaster for us, yeah. We don't want that at all. Because um, Manu are now probably too far ahead, although we've got to play them, obviously, and if we beat them, that, that would 
bring us quite close. So, yeah, a draw or a Man U win would probably be the best result for us, wouldn't it, in this case? So, um, yeah, I just hope they manage to squeeze it in somehow. I think it's unfair to play it after all the other games as well. So they know what yeah. both teams know yeah. what they need um, if they're both battling for European places. Um, so uh, I, I hope that's a disadvantage for, for both of them. Certainly for United, it would be a disadvantage, I would think, yeah. if they have to squeeze it in somehow. Yeah, also the motivation for that is that, you know, they would have wanted to win yesterday to stop um, Manchester City becoming champions. You know, they they didn't want to make Man City become champions. So uh, that carrot might well have have gone from them now as well. Uh, Barry, I believe that there's a bit of friction as well uh, within United that um, Bruno Fernandes and Harry Maguire tried to go outside and talk to the fans at the, the team hotel yesterday and were told that they couldn't do that. Where do you stand on that? Uh, yeah, that's like I think you should be allowed to do that. You should be allowed to go and do that. But like, what would have achieved? And if there was, if there was more fellas or, or women there, they were equally as aggressive. Then they could have done themselves a harm if they said the wrong thing. Because Maguire's not the, the sharpest tool, is he? The only thing is, Maguire would have turned around and it, everyone would have gone home. So <laughs> but that's like. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that well alone as uh, less city podcast as we know uh, but you know that's a, obviously a big point in the the week and it's a, an ongoing story and we'll continue to to talk about that and cover that so we'll go back to friday night uh, down on the south coast at southampton tom not a great night for us was it no no it wasn't a great night but i think all things considered uh, a point is better than a loss um <sighs> It was a shame, you know, we, we had a lot of shots. We had a lot of shots. We had a few of those on target and just couldn't squeeze anything more from the game. Yeah, it was one that you... Did you think for a period of time, Tom, that we were actually going to walk away with nothing? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think Vardy as well, his, his touch, it was poor all night and he really stood out as having a poor game for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm thankful to get the point really yeah absolutely get it in the bag and, and you know move on to the next game and um, reading from the social media posts after the game a lot of the fans thought it was the apocalypse coming uh, that that was <laughs> it we'd thrown our chance away it's not that bad is it Barry this is you know it's a point away it's never a bad point we're still in a great position we don't need to dwell on it too much no not really I think uh, being the only neutral of us all it was a dire game Mm. Um, and and that is like it was there for Leicester. I just I don't know what wasn't what wasn't ticking. The top players weren't weren't on it. Um, the Deary seemed off it. Tillman seemed off it. Yeah, Madison was kind of in and out, but he was hiding for a majority of the game. Um, he got, got a lot of stick. He he's the player that you know from Leicester City fan base after that game has taken a hell of a, a pasting really online for his attitude is is. Uh, Body language and his performance—is that fair? He's well. Yeah, again, if that was if that was Villa or that was Grealish doing that, I'd be worried that his head's been turned mm. because it's it's just since the the fracas of the party, um, like he's not he's not doing anything to get rid of that arrogance kind of reputation he's got, is he? Yeah, he's out of the uh, reckoning for the Euros now, isn't he? Hundred well, percent. Yeah, yeah, he's gone. Yeah, he will yeah. be. Yeah, I, I tried to make that um, argument on Twitter, I think, last week and, and got sort of shouted down by some 
diehard Leicester fans that thought he was a shoe in still for the 2026. 20, I, I just don't see it now. I can't see Southgate taking a, uh, a risk on him at all. Steve, uh, 10 minutes into the game, you know, they go a man down. We never seem to play well against 10 men, do we? It's always a bit more of a struggle. Talk me through your thoughts on the red card. Well, we've done better lately, but yeah, um, not not good on Friday. Um, at, initially, I thought um, that he'd got the red card for the follow-through on Tavardi, right? Which uh, now you're not allowed to do. Uh, thank heavens it wasn't like that when I was playing football. I don't know how many times I would have been sent off because... I always wanted to follow through once I tackled somebody and, and and let them know I was there. And you're not allowed to do that. Um, I think it was very harsh if it was denying a goal-scoring chance. I think it was very harsh because I think the keeper would have been favourite to get the ball, which is what they've said subsequently. You get to the age now where you can't help but follow through as well, aren't you? So. <laughs> no, not 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 just yet. I'm fine at the minute. Yeah, I can still enjoy the bar So heaven, heaven knows when that day comes. You know. How, how does VAR get that wrong then? You know, because you're saying for us fans, you could almost make a case for for the follow through of the challenge, couldn't you? But surely there has to be a communication there between the referee and VAR to say this is why I've sent him off. Yeah. And I'm not complaining as too I, much about I, I it. I think but... they're reluctant. Yeah, I think they're reluctant, Mark, to go against the ref unless it's clear and obvious. And you could argue maybe Vardy would have got there first or, you know, it wasn't... um, If the ball was nestling in McCarthy's hands and Vardy was, uh, you know, a few yards away, you could say it was clear and obvious. And I think unless it's absolutely clear and obvious, they're going to side with the referee because so often in the early part of the season, the referees got their decisions overturned by VAR. And I think they're they're going to unless it's a real clear and obvious mistake. There's no there's no doubts about it. They'll go with the on field decision more often than not. And I think it was a bad decision. Um, well, don't blame well, the rest so much. But, how how are we a couple of yeah. years in still seeing these errors? With and this is my frustration as a general football fan now, Aidan. And I'll talk to you. Have you still got your mouth full? I'm good. I'm good. All right. Um, as, as a general football fan now, you know, you saw Valbuena get sent off for kicking the ball uh, versus Chelsea the week before. How can we be in this situation where we've got people that are just surely not qualified to make these decisions as referees making the decisions? Yeah, I mean, there's still the, the human element of it at, at the end of the day. Um, it, it's At the end of the day, VR is just an extra set of eyes. Certainly they can slow it down, can look from different angles, but there's still a human a human element of, of making that decision and 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 ones that we'll agree with and and disagree with. Um and I suppose Friday nights it, it is that we we're talking, you know, we've all seen it again and again and we're we're talking perhaps it could have been given, perhaps it, it, it shouldn't have been given because the ball was away or it wasn't a you know, so there's still the subjective element to it. Um yeah, I'm. For me, for me, the jury's still out, and you know it has done its job well in, in certain times, but it's it's not really. It's it's different, isn't it? It's it's is it football as we know it or as we knew it? Um, has it added that much to the game, or 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 should we not just enjoy the the human element of of the game? Because as as we've said, it doesn't mean that it's everyone agrees with the VAR decision, and it doesn't mean that it's cleared up every last bit of doubt. So. You know, was it more with that wrong to have the human error referees? I don't know. Well, thanks for that. <laughs> it's 
So we get to the stage really where we don't know if it's good or bad. Um, going back to that red card though, there's still some factions uh, that I've seen that agreed with it being a red card. I'm interested in any of you guys see it as a red card or even a yellow card or even a foul. I, I would say it's not a red card for why they gave it, which was denying a goal scoring opportunity or very unlucky to be given as a red card for that. I, I think under the current rules, the fact that he made contact quite high up on Vardy after the tackle probably means it was a foul. But, uh, you know, I would prefer football to be more of a contact sport in that respect. I, I wouldn't like to see that as a foul, but under the current rules, it is. Did you think it ruined the game, Steve? It, I think it ruined it for us, yeah. I think we did, you know, Southampton sat back and uh, made it very difficult for us. Um, and I think we would have had a better chance if it was a more open game, to be honest. It gives them that sense of injustice to something to fight for as well, isn't it? Southampton this season, you see, if they go yeah. a goal or two down, they, they can cave in and they had a bit of, of metal about them as well. Barry, something that seemed to upset a lot of Southampton fans before the game, have you seen the movie posters that the Leicester City social team put out week in, week out? No, I, I never saw that. No, I didn't so see that. So they, they put out on uh, before that game, they do a different film every week, and it was there's something about Mary, but changed it to a picture of James Madison with there's something about St. Mary's. The fans took quite a lot of uh, umbrage to that. Would you say that was disrespectful or just, just part of the just bants? Part of the game. Oh, that's bants. Yeah, my words. Get over yourselves. That's just a bit of banter. I don't think they like us very much having, you know, it was done them 9 0. I think it got mentioned once or twice, didn't it, in the commentary? So, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll move on to... And denied to... them a cup final place. Yeah, yeah well. the course, FA Cup yeah. final as well, Mark. I think that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably not not been forgotten yet either. Good point. Yeah. So we're not, <laughs> we're not going to be getting many Christmas cards from Southampton fans this year. Is that what you're saying? No, moving, on, moving on to the second half of that game, Tom. Penalty to, to Southampton. You could just sense that something bad was going to happen the longer it was at 0-0, couldn't you? You could, yeah. I think that that foul in particular, you're just thinking, no, not now, you know, as, as they're sort of pushing forward. Um, but yeah, from, from that free kick, awful defending. I felt like we were not alert at all. Um, you know, there's a, there's a guy approaching on the edge of the box and you can just see the pass is going straight there. So when uh, Kalechi runs out to him with his hands up... <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you just you see, know it's going to go badly. You see, just prior to that free kick as well, Kalachi was sort of hovering. It was like he didn't know where to to defend. He was at yeah. the front post, then he moved out a bit, came back in a bit. Do you think he was in two minds, Tom, of what he was supposed to be doing? Yeah, I think they, they did take it relatively quick, but I think you know we just weren't we weren't thinking when they were when they were setting up for it. Yeah, yeah, definite penalty though, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Steve, James Ward-Prowse steps up. You know what's going to happen next usually with that, don't you? I know he's missed a couple, but uh, I, I certainly don't have any doubt in my mind that he was going to slot that away. At that stage, did you think we were going to get nothing out of the game? I thought there was a chance of it, yeah. We hadn't played great. We'd actually just started playing a little bit better, I think, before um, the penalty for about 10 or 15 minutes. But we hadn't created an awful lot, had we? For all the shots we had on goal, I can only remember McCarthy making two reasonable saves in the game. All the others were pretty straightforward. So, yeah. um, uh, 
yeah, I thought there was a risk we'd end up with nothing. So, um, but once we scored, I thought we were going to go on to win. Yeah, but Barry, draw fair result for for the Saints. They deserve something, don't they, from the game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they defended quite well. Um, that just seems to be the way of modern football as well. If the team goes down to to ten, it generally ends up in a pretty boring game, mm. negative type of result. Uh, but yeah, I think it was fair overall. We'll come on to the Northern Irishman then that was probably the man of the match, would you say, guys? Johnny Evans on uh, on Friday night. So in the last three games, Aidan, that is two goals and an assist for, for the Bicurial, Mr Evans. Another good goal? Yeah, he took it well, didn't he? He, he did well. Um, got himself in the right position and, and a good finish. Um, I think we've seen him, <laughs> after you bigged him up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take him down a notch or two, but... I think you know we've seen him get his head on the on the corners and and free kicks this season and certainly earlier in the season. Well, up until the West Brom game, a lot of them were were going just wide or they were over the bar. Um, so no, a good good finish there. Um, in terms of his overall performance, I thought yeah, I thought he was our our man of the match. Um, he's just playing with a lot of confidence and he looks assured. Um, he looks like he's very comfortable with his position with the guys around him that he knows what he's doing. Um. Johnny's, I have to be careful to say, like Johnny, Johnny's kind of weakness or or kind of how he would have been regarded always is that there was a mistake in him. Um, mm. And I think we haven't we haven't really seen that um, very much that at all. He just looks looks good, looks assured, confident, and making he's just making the right decisions at the moment. You've just um, jinxed so that, long. haven't you? Sorry? You've just jinxed, jinxed that. Him, yeah, pretty, pretty much. See a Johnny Evans uh, Anfield special on Friday where he's going to put a bullet header in. Coming up, yeah. Now. yeah. Yep. In, our, uh, in our Euro 2020 um, playoff, he uh, he kind of got caught out of position and uh, had, a, had a bad night against Slovakia. Yeah. So, yeah, they're, he's not not perfect. None of us are, Mark, but um, at the moment, he's he's delivering the goods and um, he needs to be up there for, as one of our players of the season. Yeah, absolutely. While, I've, um, while I'm talking to you, Aidan, um, you are... A bit of a runner in your spare time. Um, so you're probably the most qualified out of the five of us to answer this in terms of athleticism. Mm. Wesley Fofana is, is fasting, obviously, for, for Ramadan. How hard is it to not have anything in the tank in terms of energy, food, water, and, and go out and, and deliver on any sport, do you think? But certainly at that level, not that you, you've obviously observed Ramadan. But... In, my, in my former Muslim days. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh... It's not ideal. In my opinion, it really isn't ideal. I think nutrition is nutrition and hydration is one of the big, big things um, in in sport, isn't it? Um, and in, in preparing. Um, I think there's a as I was as I was saying to you guys during the match, I, I think there's a, a a potential scandal or not not scandal is the wrong word, but um, flashpoint brewing in that the, the day that he makes a mistake, you know, if he makes a bad mistake that costs us, that's when the questions start being asked. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's hard to see how that can, you know, be the case. And yeah, the, what happens? What will we be saying in the podcast the day that he, you know, God forbid, Allah forbid that the day that he makes that that mistake. <clears throat> Steve, we'll flip that back on its head. He's doing remarkably well, isn't he, to to perform at the highest level whilst fasting? Yeah, he is. Yeah, um, you wouldn't. He doesn't show any less energy or anything else, does he, while he's playing? So uh, I think he's done really well. And obviously, 
Rogers has taken him off early in a couple of games um, mm. so he can get some proper food inside him. But uh, yeah, he, they try. He tried to get the ref to play on with a mouthful of banana, didn't he? So they give him give him enough yeah. time to get it down <laughs> his neck before they restarted because that might have been a bit dangerous. Yeah, um, consummate professional. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's playing well for Fano. He's um, considering his age as well. He's, he, he keeps developing. He's going to be immense, isn't he? Absolutely. Listen, we'll leave Southampton there, I think. You know, it was one of those nights. We got a point from it. We move on and don't dwell on it too much. So obviously that being the Friday night fixture, we go into the weekend's games and we're hoping for those results to go our way. Chelsea versus Fulham was the first one, Tom. Did you catch any of that? Uh, and if not, what did you think to the result anyway? 2-0 to Chelsea. I didn't actually. I didn't catch that at all. Um, well, it's a bad result for us, obviously. <laughs> was there? I mean, was there any specific talking points there? No, not really. Uh, Chelsea looked pretty decent. Fulham looked a little bit short. I did manage to catch a lot of that game. I'm going to put this point to you then, and Tom, or any of you guys, if you want to interject. Chelsea are the team that could still win the Champions League. So if they finish outside of the top four and Arsenal win the uh, the Europa League, then right. fourth place wouldn't get into the Champions League. So is it in our best interest for Chelsea to be the team that keeps winning if there was to be a team? Therefore, guaranteeing themselves in the top four. Aidan? I definitely see your argument. This is another discussion we had in, in the group and... And um, we, we read a, a BBC article about about that the permutations that could happen. Um, I'd like to feel relatively comfortable that I suppose we're in the last four of the Europa League, so you can't be too comfortable. But um, that that Arsenal aren't aren't the team that are going to win the Europa League. Um, yeah. I watched I watched a decent bit of their game against Villarreal the other night and um, did well. To, they did well to, to come back and, and end up with a, a two-one defeat, which sets them up to go to London, back to London, um, with a, a doable job. But the you know I think if they meet Manchester United, Manchester United in the final that I can't see them beating Man United. Um, yeah. Do you think that's maybe from the outside barrage? Leicester fans been a little bit still looking over their shoulders trying to work out all of the permutations, or is that a natural thing? It's natural, but it's, we talked about it in the last podcast this weekend. Could go pear shaped if you didn't get the result against Southampton, and yeah, the results didn't go your way, but still in your hands. Yeah, but well, one result, keep... one result that did go away, obviously, was Everton and Villa uh, on Saturday night. So thank you for that. How was the Welcome. game? It was an ace game. Yeah, really, end to end. For, like, uh, even as a neutral, it was just non-stop end to end. I'm surprised how fit both sets of players were. But yeah, really good game. Really enjoyed what, it. What did you make to Everton? Do you see them being able to win all of the last five games? No, they are rigid. They, um, Ross Barkley took them apart and that says it all. <laughs> just they're just yeah they're kind of yeah they're just walking doors, big fellas, no real pace. They keep two at the back and don't even attempt to push them forwards. Yeah, they they will they will lose more than they'll win the rest of these games. Yeah, so that takes us to to tonight, then Steve. West Ham versus Burnley, big game, isn't it tonight? In terms of where we are uh, against the the team in fifth, because if West Ham win, they go to fifty eight points, just five behind us. If they don't win, then they're going to be a, a maximum of uh, seven points behind us, or a minimum. I'm not sure which way that works. Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a massive game for West Ham, yeah. And it'll be interesting how they cope under the pressure because um, they probably know, with Liverpool's running as well, with Chelsea playing pretty well at the minute, 
um, and Leicester being in a good position, that they, they've really got to win. Um, and Burnley haven't been a straightforward team to beat. And obviously, Chris Wood's on fire at the minute. So um, you never know. We've got to get our fingers crossed. But I think they'll be under pressure. It'll be interesting to see how they respond to that yeah. pressure that they're under. And this is my positivity trade again this week, guys. This is where I want you to get on with me again. So if West Ham, let's say they draw tonight, that takes them to 56 points, the same as Tottenham, uh, with four games to go. And Everton are on 52. They've got five games to go. So those three sides can only get to 67 points or 68 points. We're on 63 already. We need five points because of the superior goal difference we've got. We're going to get that, aren't we, Steve? I think we will. I think um, I'm, I, I'm pretty hopeful we'll beat Newcastle and we'll have too much for them after a week's rest and we'll be sharp. And I think we'll get something from at least two out of the three difficult games we're ending the season with, to be honest. I, I, I think we might get a draw at United. I think we'll probably beat Spurs at home. Yeah. Um, I'd qu- quite happily lose to Chelsea in the league as long as we beat them in the cup final. We'll take that deal now then, I think. Yeah. My point being there is, though, those teams that need to win all of their remaining games, what we've seen this season They're is such a lack of consistency from all of those sides. We speak about Liverpool and their easier running. Barry, I'm not sure how much you've seen of, of Liverpool recently, but they don't look like they're going to win five games in a row. No, I don't. I don't think they will. Um, and we'll do you a favour. We'll beat Everton again and we'll probably beat Spurs. You've got to play Everton again? Yeah, because the game was cancelled. Uh, ah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. Everton are better away from home than they are at home, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They've got a big game on. Sorry, sorry, carry on. on. Well, I just just don't see them beating us. I don't. They even even with the disappointment of the game, they just had nothing. They had nothing going forward. Just going to point you in the Sunday's direction for Everton then and their away form. They've got West Ham away um, on on Sunday. Another massive game. Aidan Pivotal. Yeah, pivotal, pivotal, um, pivotal. What it's, exciting. Say it? it's exciting, isn't it, Aidan, eh? This time of the season. Yeah, I'm. my eyes are more on Tottenham Hotspur, to be honest, Mark. I've got my eyes on the, on the table here. And, and you know, if, if Chelsea were to go past us, um, <clears throat> Spurs, seven seven points. I think, the, you know, we have to, to play them the last game of the season as well. Um, new manager in. Uh, they had a good win, obviously against against Sheffield United, against the relegated team. But Gareth Bale on the score sheet. It's Ryan Mason uh, who's the new manager. Come on, it's not it's not Pep, is it? We're going to well, be. They're not going to win all that. They got rid of they got rid of Jose. They're, they're maybe happy to get rid of get rid of Jose. Um, I I don't know. My concern is, you know, if if it goes, if something bad happens on Friday night, if it doesn't go for us against Newcastle United, is that when panic panic st- sets in? Different Chelsea team than the one, very different Chelsea team than the, than the one that we beat um, earlier in the season. Obviously, we play them in the cup final, but um, they're they're looking good on, on on all fronts in the league, Champions League. Um, so, and then Manchester United again. They took Roma apart the other night. You know, these aren't easy games. We could go into that Tottenham game needing that result, and and then do the the nightmares from last season flash in our heads. Uh, I think a lot rests on Friday night. A good win on Friday night sets us up for the last three. A defeat yeah. on Friday night and, and it's, it's panic at the disco. Yeah, I think Friday night is, is crucial to it, isn't it? But if you don't beat Newcastle at home, because they are not 
the greatest side in the world, no disrespect to them. And I know they've had some games where they have turned up. I think we would be expecting to, to get three points there, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think the worry is set in then, wouldn't it, if we, if we didn't get those three points Don't on panic. Friday. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, what? you know, I th- what was disappointing about, the, I know we're not going back to Southampton, but I really want to see some of our boys stepping up that extra gear. You know, there's too many guys that are, they're, they're playing all right. You can't pick too many holes, but there's nothing special. I think James Madison's the, the big example of that. Um, he's, he's not pulling out the wee moves and the, and the performances that he was um, pre, you know, pre his being out pre-injury and, and this um, party situation. That I would love to see him step up and, and if he doesn't get included in the England squad, show that, you know, show that he, he should have been there or show that in the, in the last few games that this is a time for, for guys like that who really would see themselves as Champions League quality players to, mm. to really be putting in those performances and to, to be getting us across the line um, this year. Well, that's the thing, isn't it, Steve? Because all these players that, you know, want to play in the Champions League, that want that to play at the highest level, it's in their hands. You know, if, if they're not playing Champions League football this next season for a second season in a row, you will for an Indidis, uh, Ricardo Pereira, I know he was injured last season, James Madison and... Um, Siunku Fafana it's their fault isn't it it's in their hands it is in their hands um, it is in their hands completely and and really no one put in a good performance I would say apart from probably Johnny Evans they were all a little bit below par um, against Southampton and they need to be on their game I mean, if we went a couple of goals up early on against Newcastle, you'd think we'd be on cruise control then. And we need to do that kind of mm. thing. I mean, we didn't even change the way we played when Southampton had a man sent off early on. You know, we still played with three at the back and everything else. Um, and yeah, so some of these players need to step up for sure. If we're going to have a good end to the season and, and confirm Champions League, and uh, win an FA Cup, they've really got to step up because they're playing a bit near right now, aren't they? Yeah, they have done uh, for a little while. You know, the interesting thing as well that Brendan Rodgers always said was about how he has leaders throughout his team. Um, and we need to see those leadership skills at the minute, don't we, those qualities. Tom, final question before we move on to our last man standing and Aidan can uh, do his countdown music again. Um, <laughs> if last season hadn't happened, the collapse that we had, we yeah. wouldn't be worried at the moment. Would we? We'd just be seeing this as a really positive season, enjoying every moment and, and being on Absolutely. cruise control. Absolutely, yeah. I think, you know, bursting up the top quite early on again is obviously fantastic. But as, as you've all said, really, I mean, in, in regards to people stepping up, it's only really Ian Acho that's shown a bit of fire recently. Um, so some, you know, some of the younger lads, if they could get a bit more involved in that and kind of secure it, it'd be great. Um on the other hand, you've got to say, you know, we've still got more points than those other teams. We're still in a better position to to be where we want to be. So, yeah, yeah it's not all doom and gloom. <laughs> Which is remarkable, really, Tom, if you think that there was a good proportion of Leicester fans thought we'd blown it when we lost to West Ham. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, do, I do think... Yeah, it was I a must-win yeah, game. Your, your players need to understand they're not, dro- like, they're, they're not droppable. And, and for me... Being a neutral and love watching midfield, I think Yuri and Nadiri have been well below par, and that needs to be changed. One one of them needs to come out. 
spark spark them into life again. Any response, guys? I just think they need a kick up the backside or an arm round the shoulder, whatever's going to work to get the best out of them. They are our best two players there. And um, it's up to Rogers to get the best out of them. Who goes in? Who goes in if you take them out? Are you talking about putting Mendy in, in their place? I, I would put Mendy in. I would give Mendy to see if he's got the hunger for it. Is now really the time <laughs> to be experimenting with that, Baz? I know as a Villa fan, but, you're, not that, but, you're not that invested, but... I don't think now. Pete, I think that's out. Brendan Rogers. Right, Brendan Rogers taking his next, you know, pre- taking himself down a few notches, leaving himself wide open. To I think he's, the point, a brave, he's, he's a brave the, manager. They're peering out. The, the point is is valid if we have the options. I don't. I don't think we have the options at the moment, and we're going to talk well, about that. Some. Man says Mandy's the option. Baz, that's the point. Baz is saying Mandy's the option. Yeah. Put Mandy in. No. No. Not for me. Steve. No, nor Pratt for Tillemans either. <laughs> I suppose Pratt would be the, the next in line, wouldn't he? Uh, you, you forget about Pratt sometimes. I don't know about you guys. You sort of forget that he's, he's about. He's sort of the next more natural to come in and play that role, isn't he? He is, but I think he's about Baz want put... Chowdhury in for Tillemans, perhaps? Would you then say with that, Baz? No, Have he's worse. <laughs> but, but, I, but the thing is, like, I, I think you need to take the, the, the Yuri Tinted Glasters off and just realise that your two main boys aren't controlling the games anymore. They're not. And, and if Madison's going visit and miss it, and them two need to be doing it, and they're not doing it. And if if you come out of the Newcastle game without a win, it could be gone. You could be got at. Yeah, I think you could also argue the same for James Madison, Jamie Vardy, uh, Ricardo Pereira when he's been playing Castagna at times, and, and some of the others that are creating for us. I don't think it's just about those two, is it? I, I think Wolves probably only had one game. I do agree that you were telling us had two bad games and on the spin, but before that, he's played pretty well. I, I don't think we've got a whole lot of options in terms of quality at the minute. I, I don't think Mendy's the, the man to, to be bringing in, but we shall wait and see and find out what happens. Over well, the course he, of even Kalechi didn't have a great game on Friday, did he? I mean, no, he, he didn't. He trapped the ball, ball further than I could kick it, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's still got work to do, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, but he, he is a cult hero at the moment. All right, let's move on and have a last man standing before we run out of time tonight. Aidan, you go. Gentlemen, the Ballon d'Or was first awarded in 1956. Between 2009 and 2015, it was merged with the FIFA Player of the Year to make it the FIFA Ballon d'Or. Um, but beyond, since then, it's it's become its own its own award. Of course, it's awarded to um, the best player in the world now. Um, up until 1995, it was only awarded to European players, but since 2007, any player in the world has become um, eligible. I beg your pardon, that's not true. Up until 1995, um, non-European players uh, were eligible if they played for a European club, but since 2007, any player in the world has been eligible. I want you to tell me, um, give me, give me the, the, the names of... of um, the men's Ballon d'Or winners in 2020, it wasn't awarded, um, but from 2019 all the way back to 1956. We'll go for Steve, then Tom, then Baz, then Mark. Uh, Lionel Messi. Lionel Messi is six-time <laughs> winner. Tom. Cristiano Ronaldo. 
Five-time winner is right. Baz. Um, Luis Figo. Yes. Figo uh, won the award in the year 2000. Mark. Uh, Michael Owen. Michael Owen won it in the subsequent year, 2001. Only English player, I believe, is he? Since, no, I remember one more. No, no, oh. uh, I'm, I'm going to have to stop you there, gentlemen. That's not the case, but please don't give away answers before your turn. Steve? <laughs> I'm going to go for the Brazilian Ronaldo. <clears throat> Brazilian Ronaldo won the Ballon d'Or in 1997 and again in 2002. Tom? Iniesta? Tom, it's good, but it's not right. Andres Iniesta has not been a Ballon d'Or winner. He says, checking quickly. Nope, he's not there. Shambles. Baz? Zinedine Zidane. Ah, I'll scope for that. Zinedine Zidane. Did you, uh, you spotted him on my Instagram profile, uh, me and Zinedine? Ball-headed ball you. Um, Zinedine Zidane was the winner in 1998 when, of course, France lifted the World Cup. Mark? I'm going to go, and I'm not sure if this is Ryan's, my, my pun early on for the other English name, um, Kevin Keegan. Kevin Keegan won the Ballon d'Or back-to-back -back in 1978 in 1979, when whilst playing for Hamburg. Well done. Well remembered, Mark. <laughs> Steve, Steve Marbles. Um, Johan Cruyff. Johan Cruyff, going to go down to the 1970s, kind of spot um, Johan Cruyff. Uh, just past his fifth anniversary of, of the great man's the great man's death, um, in 1974 and the previous year, 1973. As well as 1971, Johan Cruyff was Ballon d'Or winner. Tom, you're right. Baz. Hey, Diego Maradona. Diego Maradona. Let me check my 1980s. Ooh. I'm afraid Diego Maradona's name does not appear. Who is this? Uh, you're right <laughs> Steve it's is me, it Mark yeah it's me I beg your pardon Mark did Luka Modric win it recently did he is it, this, is, this isn't a, a question this is, you need to tell me is Luka Modric on your, on your, your answer yeah it says yeah <clears throat> and he's right to be because in 2018 Luka Modric was playing for Real Madrid uh, won the Ballon d'Or. Wow. Steve. Now I'm struggling. Uh, lots of huge names of the world of football there. Rossi. Rossi, I'm going to go back to the 1980s. And in 1982, World Cup winner and Ballon d'Or winner, Paolo Rossi, was playing yes. for Juventus. Well done. Mark. Now I'm struggling. So some gonna, huge I, football names I, there. Come I'm on, Mark. Go. I'm going to go with Marco Van Basten. Super Marco. Uh, he didn't just win it once. 
he didn't just win it twice. Margot Van Basten had three Ballon d'Ors, 1988, 1989, and 1992. Steve, back to you. Oh, blimey. Um, Got some big names there. Mm. Um, Gerd Muller. Gerd Muller. 1970s. 60s and 70s. Gerd Muller, 1970, was playing for Bayern Munich, was Ballon d'Or winner. Congratulations, well done. Back to you, Mark. Uh, Michel Platini. Michel Platini, three in a row, 1983, 1984 and 1985, whilst in the um, black and white stripes of Juventus. Wow. Steve. Still some big names there from the 2000s. Um, Mid-90s. And then back in the 50s and the, the 1960s. Um, Puskas. French Puskas. Looking... I wonder, did it come too early for him? I'm looking, I don't see his name coming up. No. Puskas doesn't appear on the Ballon d'Or winners list. I apologise. Okay. Steve, you're right. Mark, the correct answer wins the last man standing yet again. Choose carefully. Let's go Roberto Baggio. Roberto Baggio. I was playing for Juventus in Italy in 1993. Was Ballon d'Or winner. Mark, you are, once again, this week's last man standing. Well done, mate. <laughs> nice. Oh, well, it's absolutely minced my head, that is. But yeah, I enjoy playing this. I'm glad that I don't present it anymore because I was awful. Uh, so thanks, Aiden, <laughs> for bringing that back in. Okay. All right, let's let's move on to, to this Friday, another Friday night game for us. Uh, Steve, what message do you think Brendan Rodgers will be giving to the lads ahead of Newcastle? Um, I think they've just got to be on it and play with a bit more pace. Um, everything was too slow and ponderous against Southampton most of the time. So they've got to, they've got to up the tempo. Um, they obviously didn't have to close down that much against Southampton. Um but I don't think they did it completely as a team, even when they tried to press up front. You know, there was gaps. Not everyone was pressing together. So I think they've got to they've got to be hot on the press to get the ball off them. And they've got to be much quicker uh, passing the ball, quicker one-touch football, I think. Uh, they've just got to up the levels. They just weren't at it last Friday. Start really well. We've got a good record against Newcastle, Tom. And we beat the 5-0 last season at home. Are you confident? Yeah, yeah, and I think I think the players should be too, to be honest. Um, as we've said, you know, massive game. <clears throat> it'd be a massive three points for us. Um, and there's there's it's teams like this that you need to beat if you if you want to be up there. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it is a banana skin there, Barry. They've got some tricky players as well, haven't they? I look at Alan San Maxim, Alan San Maximin. Is that the right way to pronounce it? And Callum Wilson, obviously, is a goal threat, and, and Almiron, and they do pose a threat, don't they? 
Yeah, they're they're just a typical Steve Bruce team, though. They're kind of grinders, kind of grind you down, defend with like Jeff Hendricks and stuff like that. Just they're just boring and yeah, just poor and boring. Um, and I think they just sort of wear teams down. But the the pressure that the, the other team puts pressure on themselves because they haven't scored, mm. and then they'll get a corner or some ridiculous crap header. Yeah. Um, but I'd be confident if Leicester scored first that they would go on to. That was going to be my next question really around that was, is an early goal as a good start key for us on Friday? Um, I think, or definitely to score first. If they've got something to defend, then that's generally what they do. But they don't tend to, it's either a late equaliser for them or grinding out a late winner. I think, um, yeah, just score first. Score first and they win. Because a little stat, Steve, we were talking about before we came on air this evening was around last Friday. Uh, when we beat Southampton 9-0, we had 25 shots. Last Friday, we had 23 and we, we drew 1-1. We have to be more clinical, don't we? Yeah, we do. Um, we do need to be clinical. I mean, obviously, uh, Kalechi's touch deserted him. Jamie was just uh, the way he's been of late, not quite on it. Um, and uh, other than when Vardy broke through and there was a curler from Perez that McCarthy had to save full length, it was all pretty routine for him. It was all straight at him, really. And we missed loads of chances as well. Even Castagna right at the end on the far post, you know, hooked it just yeah. wide and over. Um, so, yeah, we've got to be a lot sharper in front of goal. How does that change in, in a week? Is he going to try and tell the players to relax and, you know, use their natural ability? Or do you think they'll be put a lot of work in on the training ground around finishing? Who knows? I'd probably be a manager if I knew that knew the answer to that one, Mark. But, yeah, <laughs> I think he's going to try and keep things... I, I think he's going to be very clear on what he wants from the players, but try and keep them relaxed at the same time. That seems to be his approach. Yeah. So try and get the nerves out of them, but be very clear on what his expectations are as well. Yeah, I read a really interesting comment from Julian Nagelsmann, isn't it? The guy that's taken over at Bayern Munich at the end of the season, talking about his approach to, to management. He says it's 40% tactical and, you know, uh, football related. The other 60% is man management and understanding how to get the best out of players. I, I know that Ian Marshall wasn't a fan last time, Barry, but um, a <laughs> hu- huge week coming up, isn't it, for Brendan Rodgers? Yeah, and I think he that is his skill as the man managing side. Um, uh, the two things for him is man managing. I think he's brave. I think he's brave to make a decision, which he didn't do on the weekend, strangely enough. Mm. But um, yeah, I think he'll get them rounded up. I think it'll be a different Leicester that turn up. Yeah, Aidan, you of course know when it didn't work out uh, against Newcastle. I think it was one of the last games you came to before you moved back across the water. Um, a certain Iose Perez scored the winner for Newcastle that day. Do you think he'll get a start on Friday? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think he'll want Brendan Rodgers will want to see want to see Madison um, step up, and I, I think I think Matters will, will get in there um, in front of in front of Perez um, and maybe behind Vardy and Ianacho again. I think that's 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 still the way to go, I believe. Um, and again, I'm not sure that I've seen enough from Jose Perez to to justify. Um, Keeping other some other players out of the team at the moment, um, so no, I I wouldn't go with him from the start. Okay, and Tom, another change that's been uh, muted is potentially Luke Thomas, who struggled a little bit the last two games, maybe sitting out and uh, and Ricardo coming back in and swapping flanks right. with Castagna. <laughs> What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see that. I think 
I think Thomas has been good. I think um, it was perhaps slightly off it in the last one, but um, but yeah, getting get uh, Ricardo some game time and he can, he can push forward. Um, although I'd, I'd rather him play on the right than the left if that's if that's what's going to happen. Switch yeah. over with Castagna. Yeah. And we, we miss the old Ricardo, don't we, Steve? The the one pre-injury at the moment. We do. He's, he's, he's had a, obviously a very serious injury and he seems to be taking his time to get back. He seems to be a shadow of his former self. I would say he was probably right up there in the top two right-backs in uh, uh, or right-wing-backs in, in the Premier League. And... Um, you know, he uh, and I. I feared that we would lose him. I don't think we will now because he's not shown the same sharpness since he's come back, and it might take him some time. It's also a kind of uh, expectation setting for James Justin as well, because I know he's younger. But you know, it's a bad injury to come back from. And mm. you know, twenty years ago, players often didn't come back from it at all. So I think we've got to give Ricardo a bit of time. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, at fullback, we have a few options. Tom, there's been a lot of noise in the last few days that Leicester are very close to signing Robin Goosens from uh, Atalanta um, for around £25 million, the Germany international. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've had, had a little look into him and, well, looking at actual videos of him playing, my God, this this guy can put in a wicked tackle and... Um, not only does he go, he goes flying into these tackles where you don't expect him to get the ball, but he comes away with it and manages to um, to run past a couple of players as well. Um, but yeah, no, looking at his stats, he's, uh, he's got 10 goals in the last 28 games. That's mad, uh, isn't it? Six assists. Um, he's also scored one in the Champions League as well. So yeah, I think I think he'd get in the starting lineup. To be honest, I don't I don't think he'd be back up. I think he'd be straight in. Yeah, I think that would be the uh, the the sort of thought process of him coming here because you're looking at James Justin being a while away, getting back to full fitness. You imagine Thomas will probably go out on loan next season, and then we've got Ricardo and Castagna for for right back. Barry, when you hear Leicester being linked with a player as good as Goosens, and um, what's your thoughts on that as a Villa fan? Is that the sort of player that you'd like to go in for? Yeah, he would be better than Matty Cash. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's good though. Um, but they they play like Atalanta play like Leicester. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So it, it makes sense for a player like that to to join. Um, yeah. And it's it's good intention. It's good things to be going around the club. Yeah, Men, like psychologically, that's we're signing for the Champions League. We're going to be in the Champions League. It's a Champions League player that's coming. So I hope that does filter through the, the club. Yeah. He's only 25. He's got five caps for, for Germany. Tom spoke about there about goals and assists. Steve, the numbers of goals and assists for a fullback here, it's, Terry Allen is not an easy league to get goals and assists in, is it, as a defender? Um, no. He's something to be excited about, isn't he, if this comes through? We believe it's all hinging on us, us getting that top four finish. Yeah, I, I think it'd be very exciting um, to get him in because we have lacked balance. And I think that uh, young Thomas could do with a, a couple of seasons on loan somewhere to mm. get to get his experience. And uh, um, it's very difficult. I think the the standards expected at Leicester for for a nineteen year old. Yeah. Um, so I think it'd be a good move for us. And um, you know, then we'll have Castagna, Ricardo who can play further forward as well. 
uh, and Goosens, uh, and when he's back, James Justin as well. So we'll have we'll be well set. And this is probably going to be Fuchs's last year anyway. So yeah. before he yeah. goes back to the states, so I think we definitely need a left-sided fullback. Are you aware, Aidan, where all this sort of links with Atalanta come from? Um, have you heard the story about when we played them in a pre-season friendly a couple of seasons ago? So Dennis Pratt was over on, on tour with Sampdoria at the time. He wanted to watch the game. Saw Leicester, decided that that was a club that he'd like to play for. Timothy Castagna was playing for Atalanta at the time as well. And now uh, Goose has also played in that game. The, the legend is that they like the way that we play. They saw... Leicester saw Brendan Rodgers, saw us as a progressive club and want to be part of that journey. That's fantastic to hear. I love that story, yeah. No, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of well, that. Not, but... It might not be true. <laughs> that's, that's what I've read. <laughs> Let's go with it. Let's say it is. Let's go with it. Yeah, Atlanta's a, a, a progressive progressive club. They've, they've kind of um, obviously finished third in Syria um, last season, Champions League. Um, like not one of the not one of the traditional um traditional big, big sides in, in Italy. So maybe a similar journey to, to Leicester City. Um, and as, as you were spoken about, playing a similar way. So The stop with their aid and it's a penalty to Burnley at Turf Moor. Where were we? I scored! Yes! Chris Wood! We should be ce- Leicester legend! <laughs> we should be celebrating that like a Leicester goal at the minute, gents. <laughs> yeah. Also... Also, he banged three past Wolves at the weekend as well, didn't he? So, happy days the weekend yeah. prior. Why did, why did we ever let him go? I don't what know. What size of head he's got, is he? He's got a fucking he, massive head. I, I think, you know, Brendan Rodgers could have got a bit out of him. I know he doesn't like lampposty, but he's got a bit more to him, and he, Chris Wood. He's a good footballer. Yeah, he's a good option. Yeah. Anyway, where were we, Aidan? Talk about Atalanta. Should we just move on from Robin Goosens? be great to sign him. The great design, Robin Goosens, yes, a club with a similar history, perhaps to ourselves, not one of Serie A's big clubs, but Champions League um, and, and really uh, up there at the top of the table. Um, yeah, we like Atlanta. Forza Atlanta. <laughs> uh, and Steve, uh, the other player that's been linked with the move, he's been linked with a couple of clubs, but again, Strong reports are coming out that Leicester are closing in on a deal for Bubakari Samare, 22-year-old uh, central defensive midfielder from Lille, who's also been linked with Tottenham and Manchester United. What do you know about him? And, and Man City and AC Milan. Well, um, well, he's, he's got a good heritage with him. Uh, Lille signed him from PSG's youth system uh, back in 2017. Um, so big lad, six foot two, so he, he would seem to be like a uh, a backup for Wilf or to play alter- alternately with um, with Wilf. Um, his team, Lille, are, are one point ahead of PSG uh, uh, at the top of the French League at the moment. So the team are doing well. He's playing regularly. He's a regular France under-21 international. He's out of contract next year, mm. which means that we might be able to get him if he's not keen on signing a new contract at Lille. That's, That's the same with Goosens as well, you know. That that seems to be a really clever part of our recruitment at the minute. Yeah. Um, he's been compared to Naby Keita as well at Liverpool. Uh, but uh, I haven't seen him play. But, you know, if clubs like Milan and, and Man, Man City are in for him and others, then, uh, and his team sitting top of the French uh, league. Oh, is, that, is that a West Ham equaliser? Right? A West Ham equaliser. It's gone one oh. across into the box. And the big man... If he turns around, he'll see who it was. 
Let's put it away. Bummer. A draw's not so bad, though. I'd take a draw. But Burnley's still got time to get another. Yeah, yeah so he looks, a, he looks a good player. Um, and, of course, there have been rumours that Barcelona will be in for Wilf. Mm. I don't see it somehow. I don't think they've got the money. They say they they were quite interested in a certain N'Golo Kante, but 60 million euros was too much. Mm. And I can't see Wilf going for much less than that, to be honest. So I don't think Barcelona will be in, but it's probably going to be the end of Hamza Chowdhury in a Leicester shirt, I think. Maybe even Papi Mendy. Yeah. Um, it's an exciting summer ahead, though, isn't it? It's uh, very exciting. It feels like... Brendan knows what he wants. He's he's going to want to yeah. want to go and get him nice and early to blend these guys into the the squad. Yeah. Yeah. Same for you you guys at Villa as well, Barry. This summer you're going to be you're going to be flashing the cash, in you? Yeah, I think so. Since that FFP's gone, yeah, I think we'll we'll spend a fortune. Seventy million on Danny Welbeck. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, th- I, th- I think there'll be a few surprises. We had five out of five good signings last summer. Same again this summer, hopefully. Yeah. Well, we'll see. There's always um, Hamza Chowdhury, you could say. <laughs> <laughs> Available for a very reasonable rate. Uh, I, think, with Rangers, I, think. I, th- I think before we finish tonight, guys, I'll just take your predictions for the game on, on Friday against Newcastle and see you can uh, get it closest this week. Steve, start with you. 2-0, I think. Tom? 3-0. Aidan? 3-0 Leicester City. And Barry? 2-0 Leicester if they score first. I'm going to go five one. I don't know where that's coming from. Oh, for goodness nice. sake! Yeah, I'm going out on a, I'm going out on a limb on Friday night. So if it doesn't work out, don't blame me. But guys, that is all we've got time for. We've overran slightly because we've uh, we've had a lot of things to discuss tonight. But it's been a pleasure speaking yet again. Aidan, can you close the show for me the way that you opened it? Do you think this was? It's eleven, and it's heaven for Jamie Vardy. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>